right, the All-Star break is here on the podcast, and we are taking a week off of sports. We're going to do a little pop culture catch-up here. Your host, Mike Phillips, here. Joining me today, our pop culture team in the middle of the year. First up, our pop culture correspondent, Sam DeRosa. Sam, how are you? Doing great, Mike. How are you? Doing good. Phil, we haven't been on the podcast since the Super Bowl, so it's been a long time. It doesn't feel that long, but yeah, thinking back this morning, I was thinking how long it's been since I've been on, but happy to be back. Yep. Also with us here today, we have a few more conversations. We've got some movies. Our our resident film critic, Barstool Sports Zone, John Stanko is here. John, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Metro North took all the energy out of me this evening, but I am here and I am ready to talk some Christopher Nolan with you guys. Absolutely here. Since we have a lot going on here at the All-Star break, we're not going to talk about the depressing baseball in New York right now. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk some uh, movies here. Stanko has a head, head, uh, Not depressing in Boston, for the record. The hottest team heading into the All-Star break? We're not good, but currently Boston fans are not depressed. Well, you, you said that right now. We'll see what happens in like a couple of weeks. Uh, we we, we, play, my we play the Mets. We play the Mets coming out of the All-Star break. So Probably win two out of three that week. I'm calling that right now. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, yeah. well, we'll see what happens there. But I want to catch up a couple of things here. Obviously, Sam, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Mr. Stanko has been uh, a big admirer Barcel celebrity for his take on Taylor Swift concerts. So, uh, Stanko, would you like to refresh the audience here on what you have said? I, oh, well, the audience. Refresh the audience. Let's see. Well, I went to Taylor Swift with my fiance and our friends to the rain show at Gillette, which was a magical experience. It priceless, an all-time memory, which we will never forget. I've been to four concerts in my life. Three of them are Taylor Swift, and two of them are rain shows at Gillette Stadium. So I'm batting a pretty good average right now. Um, and so it's something I would never give up for, the, the, that memory. And it was – the argument was raised at Barstool that uh, Taylor Swift fans are crazy and that we'll do anything, blah, 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 which may be true or not. But basically, Big Cat put down on the table – $50,000 not to go not to go to the concert. And I'd be like, I go to the concert. And then they just kept on raising the ante, raising the ante. And then eventually, you just got to stick to your guns. And it's just the matter of principle that memory is worth more than money. And it's something I would never give up. It's a memory I'll never forget with my fiance so, and our friends. So you know what? I would turn down $10 million. And I would still go to the Taylor Swift concert because it was fucking awesome, guys. It was incredible. Three and a half hours. She just didn't stop. She just kept going and going and going. Just played banger after banger after banger. In the pouring rain. It was a tsunami. It was outstanding. Would never turn that down. Ever. Uh, Sam, your reaction. You know me and Taylor Swift. I've never been a giant fan, but hey, I respect the hell out of her fans. They are... They'll literally die, as Stanko basically put, for $10 million. But, hey, listen, I'm just happy to hear, you know, be here with royalty, you know. It's not royalty. Let's get, let's get that straight. Let's get that straight. Thank not royalty at all. <laughs> No, but it, it was, uh, it was just, it was, listen, I was asked a question. I answered the question, and I, I gave my honest answer. Hey, you're a Swifty for life. What, what are you going to say? Memory is always above money. I am a person who values experiences over other stuff. Ask anyone. I don't take my phone out. I didn't take any pictures at the concert. I literally just sat there, listened, and watched. Like, I don't – experiences over money. Like, it's just a thing that I believe in. Personally. Did she dive into the stage? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's the one thing that I think what I would, cool, like, cackle at. Yeah, I feel she like, like that's the one thing I enjoy. Yeah, no, was, that, I think that's, incredible. like, the one thing I enjoy. 
Yeah, and now we're a new Speak Now. Uh, Speak Now is out her version with six new songs as well. We're just it's 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 a good time to be a Taylor Swift fan. Let me tell you, I have friends who are going to go see her in uh, in Milan because they're like like wedding anniversary tour. So we're going to go see her in Milan. So people are crazy. People are crazier than me. All right, so we'll put that in the notebooks. That Stanko has defended his stance on here, so we'll put that, <laughs> we'll put that out here. So I'll where's your here. thirteen Stanko on your hand? Yeah. Uh, like here's the thing. I love Taylor Swift, but I didn't go around collecting all the bracelets and doing all that stuff. Like, <clears throat> I let I had the experience my way. So it's like, let me let me live my life. Barcelona fans can say I'm an idiot. Barcelona fans can say it's white privilege. But I know me. I know the memories that I have in my head. And the other people, they don't have them. It's life, Stanko's version. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing I'll put out here. Number two, any summer movie takes you guys want to share before we get into the Nolan stuff? Um, not that much, to be honest with you. I'm planning on going to see the new Mission Impossible this upcoming Friday. We're taping this on a Tuesday evening, so I'm planning on seeing it before I head to Cape Cod. Um, but not a ton of summer movie takes. I haven't been to the theater yet. Just life getting in the way. But I'm glad to see that the tepid reviews for Indiana Jones seem to have risen a little bit. Like, people are like, I don't think they're being as hoity about it. And people seem to like it. So... That's kind of the most recent one I have in my brain. That is surprising how that movie has done as well as it did. I thought with the reviews, people were going, eh. But I guess, like, you know what? People love Indiana Jones. Right. It was one of those times where I think critics came out first. And maybe they have rightful gripes. That's not a great movie, whatever, whatever. But I've heard, like, if you love if you love Indiana Jones and you're willing to just go along for the ride and admit that it's ridiculous that a 70-year-old man is doing these stunts that are clearly not him or CGI or whatever, like, then you're going to have a good time with it. So... It's a step up from the Crystal Skull, um, so I think that that's the thing that's been on my mind most recently. Uh, Sam, I know you're very busy in terms of uh, actually having a life with, with your current job. So, like, <laughs> have you had any movie experiences you want to discuss or you want to pass on? Um, for summer movies, no. I'm excited for some movies coming out later this year around Christmas and Thanksgiving. So you can ask me in those months later on. But other than that, no, I've seen nothing. I've done nothing. And I live, breathe, eat baseball. Well, that's that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I will keep repeating that over and over. <laughs> All right. So I'll share the notes of what I've, I've had of late in terms of like some of the, I've been to, I think a couple of summer movies. So Guardians 3, a lot of fun. I wrote it up on the on the blog. I actually did a podcast spot on that one, so I did think that was a, a great conclusion of the movie. James Gunn, if he's going to carry that energy over to DC, great. I'm excited for that. That's number one. Number two, Stanko, make time for Spider-Verse because it is worth the wait and more. No, I'm going to see that on streaming once it comes available. I like the first one a lot, So, and there's also no homework with this one, so I'm very, very excited to see it once I can. I will say here, like, best movie I've seen this year. So far, that's universe. my favorite critics have said the same thing. So only good things I've heard about it and I'm excited for it. And I will point out also, I think this movie could, I think, be a popular choice to try and sneak into one of the 10 best picture slots in the Oscars. It's still very, very far away. There's some heavy hitters coming in the fall. I mean, you got Scott Scorsese coming in. You got uh, you got Fincher coming in as well. So we got some heavy hitters coming in. But that's an animated movie getting in the top 10. That's not unprecedented. I think... Toy Story 3 yeah, Toy Story uh, had it. In. They were nominated too. So, yeah, I'd be curious. I think we've got way more of that. Sam, remember last year they sort of have the Top Gun Maverick and the Avatar slots for like popular movie. I think it's going to get one of those. Okay. I mean, hey, I'm waiting for that to come on streaming. I know Guardians is coming out soon for streaming. So that's where I put my 
bank in there is for quick streaming. And number three, uh, The Flash, meh. Meh? I mean, did we expect... Did we expect more than meh? Everyone was toting it as the greatest action hero movie before it even came out. Like, what are we what are we talking about here? It's not gonna be the greatest action superhero movie ever. Like, they're just trying to pump the tires. I mean, I think I talked about this too on the podcast. I feel like Sanky, you talk about like all the stuff with Ezra Miller surrounding the movie, they definitely turned people away. It was not a home run. There's one like massive cameo everyone's talking about at the end of the movie, but like it was like very safe which I felt like was surprising. Ezra Miller is a good performance, but I think the negative PR plus everybody knows that he's not going anywhere. I think hurt it. How was the CGI? I heard some of the CGI was like play like PS2 worthy. Yeah, that's accurate. And they, I think, I think they tried to defend it. Like, Oh, like this is a distorted version of how you, like a human would actually see the flash running. Like, no, you're just lazy. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting much from the flash. So I, and I know it was a big flop in terms of being a moneymaker, but James Gunn, I think, at the day we're taping this, there was more DC announcements made about castings and stuff like that that's coming forward. So they have a long road ahead of them. Frankly, all superhero movies have a long road ahead of them now with the way things have been going. Yeah, Sam, do you have any desire to check the Flash out when it hits streaming? Um, I do just for the fact for Keaton. Uh, honestly, that's it. Sorry, yeah. I don't care about anything except for Michael Keaton as Batman again. I'll say but- Michael Keaton was very good. That's it, though. That's checks all my boxes. When is Michael Keaton really bad? Like, Michael Keaton's pretty reliable. He's pretty consistent. You're going to have a good time with him at the movies. Yeah, no. No arguments here. Yeah, for sure here. So let's just, yeah, let's now let's get to the uh, headline event here. We got the big box office battle here. Oppenheimer versus Barbie coming on July 21st. Both are coming out at the exact same time here, so... But before we start this, which do you think is going to do better opening weekend? I'll go to you first, Sam. Um, I'm thinking Barbie, just because it's Barbie. Um, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm equally excited for both movies. Uh, but I feel like Barbie's like a sit there, watch. You don't have to uh, absorb terribly too much. Um, we'll see what Greta does with the movie. Maybe there'll be more absorption and everything um but yeah i'm gonna go with barbie uh stanko you you agree i definitely agree it's gonna be barbie i mean they've dumped boatloads tons loads cargo ship loads of money into the marketing for this movie um and i think it's gonna pay off i think all the bright pretty colors all the actresses like all the actors they're are embracing it with all the, the different dresses at all the different premieres and stuff like that. They are going full tilt to make this thing a blockbuster. And I think it's going to work. Um, I think it's going to make a lot of money. I Sam, you said it's not going to be a thinking movie. It's going to be different for Greta Gerwig not to create a thinking movie because she typically puts some depth into her movies. Exactly. And, right. So I'm curious what the audience is expecting versus mm-hmm. what they're going to get because the trailers we don't know what the movie's about. We know she goes into the real world, but what what conflict is there in the real world? Like we don't know what the actual conflict is. Yeah, uh, I wonder if it's gonna be like a matrix kind of red blue like red pill, blue pill thing. Right. And it's gonna be like an allegory of the cave. She wants to leave, so she leaves, and then she's gonna try and go back to Barbie Land. She's not gonna be able to accept it, and then she's gonna have to make a choice. That's probably what's gonna happen. Something along those lines. I personally am I am way more excited for Oppenheimer. I'm just going to be straight up with you. Like Barbie seems like a lot of cringe humor, punch you in the face with 
social commentary type things. And that's not my type of movie. It's just not, I don't enjoy cringe. I don't enjoy people being awkward and then getting laughed at. Like I don't, that's not my type of thing. And that's the thing that Barbie's going to be when she goes to the weird world. She's going to have all eyes on her with people snickering. And I don't enjoy that. We have Christopher Nolan doing a character piece about one of the most tumultuous times in history with what's going to be groundbreaking cinema, what he always does. And sure, he's going to have some of the same motifs thrown into it, but I, I like that stuff a lot more. I like the idea of a power struggle and stuff like that. So I'm way more excited for Oppenheimer, but I am in the minority. Yeah, I'm That and Killian Murphy is supposed to have like an Oscar-worthy best actor performance as well. Yeah, I mean, I love Killian Murphy. Margot Robbie's probably going to get some attention too. And like, this is another thing where the, the casts are equally stacked in both movies. Mm-hmm. I like a movie where the cast, while they are, while it's stacked, isn't playing like to their fame. And Barbie, because it's the style of the movie, every time you see someone's face is famous, you're going to go like, oh, that's that person playing a Ken. Oh, that's that person playing a Barbie. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And you're meant to recognize them. Yeah. yeah. I don't love that. I love when the cast is stacked, but they're all still playing characters. And you're just seeing them with their talent and they're showing their talent and not their face. So again, again, it's a little bit, again, I think Barbie's going to be good, but I'm way more excited for Oppenheimer because it's just more my type of movie. Yeah, I agree with you, Stanko. I do feel like I've been the minority with you that I'm more hyped for Oppenheimer for obvious reasons. But I will point out here, I think, A, like the marketing, you're right, has been killer. I mean, the fact they built an entire freaking Barbie dream house that you could apparently Airbnb, that's insane for marketing purposes. And the fact I feel like, again, like, in terms of just like sales of the casual audience, a two-hour bar movie versus a three-hour radar Oppenheimer movie is going to be a much easier sell at the box office. It's very true. That's very true. I mean, uh, Barbie had a sponsored segment on The Bachelor, like The Bachelorette, like on Monday. So it's like they are dropping every single bucket of money that they possibly can to get people to go to the movies, and it's going to work. And so it's Greta Gerwig, too, which means the movie is going to be good. I'm confident the movie is going to be good. It's just whether or not it's going to be one of those movies I want to revisit and rethink about. That's what I'm doubting for me personally. Yeah, so let's go ahead. I'll go go to the reason why we're here. We're going to rank Christopher Nolan's uh, 10 widely distributed films. Stanko and I both saw the both saw following his first movie, but that's very hard to track down the for the average person. As a Sam would attest to. Yeah, I um, I had some time Sunday evening. Couldn't find it easily. Nixed it to my. You know, not to get too far ahead, my bottom pick, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah so we're going to do the 10 movies released after that, going from Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Tenet. So that's the 10 we're covering today. So we're going to go from reverse order from 10 to 1 here. So this is rankings. Is Three of us have rankings in there. These are based off of personal rankings from me. Stanko's rankings I got from his blog two years ago, but... He'll point out when we do the podcast that he has updated his spots. All right. There are some there are some changes. I, I went through this morning and this afternoon, went off the cuff of movies that I remember and just rewatching clips and stuff. So things change, Mike. My opinion changes. My opinion's changed since Sunday. And it's Tuesday. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that's what's going on here. So we're gonna start at the bottom here. Number ten on the list is Insomnia, which came out in two thousand and two. And I will be honest, when I did the rankings of this, this was 10 for you with a B plus, because I don't think he's made a bad movie yet. But for me, the reason I put Insomnia number 10 was just that I feel like it's the one that like I've had the least interest in going back to of the whole catalog. It's not a bad movie, but I just don't feel like it is like the thing that's gonna draw me in. Stanko, I know you are a little higher on this than I am. So you wanna talk about Insomnia? 
Well, in my relisting of these movies, I have Insomnia as my number 10 as well in terms of its wide schedule releases because of the exact point that you made, Mike. This movie, when going back and rewatching clips and the trailer and kind of the vibe of the movie, was least interested to it. I think it's a very cool setting. It's a very unique idea. But again, in terms of just the overall movie as a whole, there's not a scene in it that I immediately remember like, oh, shit, this is Nolan. He's cooking right now. He's cooking up a stew and we're just all going to gobble it up. I didn't have any of that with this movie. It was good watching it, but it's not one that I've revisited. So, again, actually, in terms of his widely ranked releases, this is number 10. Yeah, Sam, did you get a chance to check out Insomnia? Nope. Uh, I don't know why. But I didn't watch that one either. So, sorry, guys. But there was only – I couldn't find that one either at easily read – you know, easily to stream, I should say. I do recommend watching it because it is Al Pacino working with Christopher Nolan. So it's like all-time director, all-time actor. They're combining forces, and it's a unique premise. It's just in terms of the, of its momentum in the years after it was made, I don't think it has the same weight as many of his other movies. Yeah, plus I will also point out here, Robin Williams did a great performance in that movie as well. They have Robin Williams doing a villainous turn here. I mean, he got a Best Supporting Actor nom for his role in this movie. Yeah, I remember his, you know, press basically his media presence for that but other than that haven't had the need to watch it yeah so that's for sure that's number 10 on our list it was pretty low here so number nine on the list here so you want to take a guess what the next one will be sam um i'm gonna go with mine it's the following or tenant stanko what do you think i think it's i think it's probably gonna be tenant though i would disagree it is Tenet here at number nine overall on our list. The average score from the four rankings I collected here is a 7.75. So it was down here. So Sam, why did you have Tenet as low as you did? Um, Not going to lie to you guys. I did not enjoy this movie. Uh, I had a hard time the first time I put it on. I don't know what it was. It was too slow paced. I wasn't nearly slow paced. Wow! I couldn't make it through the first five minutes without turning it off, and then I had to sit back down and basically take an Adderall to watch it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Better. It did get better. Not gonna lie, but I had to be medicated to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Stanko, your thoughts on Tenet? Um, I think this movie has gone up a little bit in the year after the years after it came out. I think. Watching it, I was confused. I was like, what is going on? There's a lot happening right now. I don't understand all of it. But I think it was one of those movies where I once I stopped thinking about it so critically and I re- went back to remembering scenes and stuff like that, I was like, Christopher Nolan just took a giant swing and maybe he didn't hit it out of the park. Maybe, frankly, he thought he did and then said it's a single because he was jogging to first base. But regardless, he took the swing and I was entertained the whole way through. Um, I disagree with Sam in terms of it being slow paced. I thought it moved very fast, so fast that I was confused at times. And I was like, pause, what's happening? So maybe a little bit too fast, but this is Christopher Nolan getting lost in his own sauce. I mentioned uh, like insomnia. He wasn't really creating a stew that I wanted to gobble up. This one, he put too much stuff in it and I couldn't fit it all in my mouth. And I was falling out and I was trying to understand it all. And it just wasn't coming together. But I've gone back and I've rewatched scenes on YouTube. I've gone back and watched the synchronization between the fast forward and the backwards and the fighting and stuff like that. And I've been thinking about it since. And I did research on the movie after the fact. So he got my brain working. So that's why it's risen up a little bit in my rankings. Yeah, I think I'm with you in terms of the thing. I don't think it was too slow. I think, like you said, like 
he's trying to do so, so, so much right. in this movie in terms of the plot. I mean, like, he likes to give you the mind teasers. I think, like, he went up, like, three degrees from Interstellar, which is the last real mind teaser he had, and that was sort of very confusing. But visually, the movie's fantastic. Like, I think it was very hurt by the fact that it came out during COVID when you couldn't get a lot of big audiences into theaters for it. I think if we had the proper respect of being able to see it in a theater, I think it would have helped. Yeah, I mean, he tried to save theaters when this was coming out. He kept on postponing it, postponing it. It was a whole entire thing. And so he, he did his best. And I don't think it's going to be remembered as one of his best, but I think it's going to be remembered as one of his biggest chances. And you have to appreciate somebody who's made blockbuster trilogies, who's worked with tons of different actors and stuff like that, and has made super successful movies. This one, sure, he thought it was going to be a big hit, but the rest of the world was like, are you sure? This one seems kind of crazy. So he took the swing. He might not have knocked it out of the park, but still you got to respect it. Yeah, Sam. Also, See, with my, like with this thing, like it was just so much to take in that, and I haven't seen it since it came out back during the pandemic. So I like originally watched it when it first came out, and then I watched it two weeks later, and it was just like too much that my brain literally could not handle it. So yeah, to me it was slow paced, as in like I couldn't get through the first five minutes, but like I just I couldn't. I, I could not comprehend anything that was going on during that movie. And yeah, I, I usually appreciate his like time jumps and everything. Cause I know we'll be going back and forth for his time and everything. But I was just like, uh, I, I'm not getting what you're putting down. I think this movie I mean, was also but... hurt by the fact that we had, you know, like, obviously, I mean, the plot was crazy, but I do think like compared to the stars, he pulls for like some of these other movies here, like, not a ton of star power in this movie in terms of actors. I mean, Robert Pattinson is probably right. the biggest name in there. Right. And uh, John, John David Washington, great performance. Like, I think Robert Pattinson in this movie was a revelation. I was like, holy shit. Like, this dude could be freaking James Bond. Like, he had swagger I'd never seen before. Like, I, frankly, I knew him most from uh, Sparkling in Twilight. And then it's like that the, the movie uh, Remember Me when it's the two towers at the end. Like, those are the two biggest things I had known him for. So it's like, what is happening? And then Robert Pattinson does this. And it's like, oh, it turns out this dude's actually a pretty goddamn good actor when you give him good parts. And he's proven that in his post-Twilight career. And this was another step in that direction. And we have to thank him for the Oppenheimer movie because he's the one who gave Nolan the book about Oppenheimer. Well, shit. Well, there you go. Yeah, while Thanks they were... Yeah, great pull, Sam. I mentioned that. It's like, really, while they were filming Teddy, he gave Nolan the Oppenheimer book. So I think you'd enjoy this. He read the books. I'm making a movie about him. I mean, thank you, thank you for Robert Pattinson. Yeah, and also, this is this. I think parlay Robert Pattinson's the Batman, so good for us. Sure. Again, Robert Pattinson, he showed he could do action in Tenet. Bam, he's in Batman. There you go. All right, next up here, number eight on the list here. Would you like to venture a guess, Stanko, what do you think the next, next movie is? Um, What do I think the next movie is going to be? I... I think it's going to be a movie that I have raised in my rankings, but I think it's going to be Memento down here. Uh, Sam, what do you think? Um, Again, I'm going with my answers because I'm selfish. I have Batman Begins. Well, one of you is correct. It's going to be Stanko. It's actually Sam is correct. <laughs> Re really? Yeah. yeah, really. Batman Begins, if you rewatch it like I did because I haven't seen it in like 10 years. It's gonna I, I saw it, I believe I watched it last year. And I, this is. What? Yeah, this is like, no, oh my no. God, it's a superhero movie that's not about the superhero. It's about the man. Like, this is one of Batman's greatest, like, origin stories. They, like, okay. it actually shows something. I bumped it down 
because it's not very Nolan esque. It took it. I think that's why it's good. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it still has the Nolan, like, he still has Nolan. It's a guy searching for himself, trying trying to find a sense of identity, literally creating a new persona for him to live through. And to try and cover up the past, the past of his mistakes, like a lot of things happen, like that are still motifs throughout his whole movies. What I appreciate is that in Batman Begins, in The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises, there are so many callbacks to Batman Begins. But like, if you think about it in a Nolan esque way, it's not very him. Like, there's some there's some shots, like the shot of Batman standing on the pillar, and it's just like that nice little wrap, you know that yeah. Pin- that's so Nolan but other than that there's not very like you couldn't tell it was a Nolan movie that's why I I personally bumped it down okay all right yeah I have Batman Begins number seven on my list so it's like a lower tier I feel like the top six is sort of like in their own bucket and then numbers this is the best of the next group here I do think this movie I think is better with age I do think obviously the fact they had they chose to recast Katie Holmes after the first movie doesn't help it so I think that's a pro- is problematic in a sense. That's fair. That, never, that's fair. I never see like I even didn't even have a problem with that when they recast Katie Holmes. It's just like okay, it's a chance <coughs> thing. Bless you, yeah. but like, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I do think also I did like the choice of this movie, Stanko. The fact that they went like off the like beaten path that like villains were getting in Batman movie because this point we're getting all the big guys in in the uh, Keaton series where we had you know the Penguin, the Joker. Like Mr. Freeze, like all the biggies. Now we're starting off a whole new series with Scarecrow and Razor Al Ghul from the League of Shadows. Like that was, I think, it was a bolt. So I think it worked for this movie. I I would agree, and I think, I think maybe I bumped this movie up because now look, just my mind working is like I think while everyone loves the Dark Knight and this and the like, the Dark Knight trilogy is one of the best movie trilogies of all time in terms of consistency from one of our greatest directors ever. And I think it kind of gets lost in the sauce in terms of best trilogies because all the movies were very good. Art like The Dark Knight is an all-time movie. It's people's like favorite movie of all time. It's gonna be very, very high up on our list. It probably might be number one. Like I think I raised the Batman Begins because it sets the groundwork for everything that came after it. It's like again, Fellowship of the Ring in terms of Peter Jackson. Maybe it's not the most exciting movie of the trilogy, but you gotta give it its respect because it set the groundwork for the next two that built upon it. So that's that's maybe that's why maybe it's a little bit higher for me now than it was a couple of years ago when I first ranked it. Yeah, so definitely an enjoyable movie here overall. Let's go now to number seven on the list here. So where do you think we are going? Actually, I'll say the let's go with the uh, tease here. So let's go ahead and throw it out here. Number seven is Interstellar. That's where we are on the list. So it is right now an average of 6.25. It's a tie. Our six, I believe, a sixth place, but we had higher highs. That's why I bumped it ahead. Interstellar, I I lowered on my rankings a little bit just because I don't go back and revisit this one. I have no desire to. I think the score is incredible, and I rewatched the scene of Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey's character on the planet when it's taking the years, and then they get back up, and and decades have passed. I rewatched that scene, but after that, I don't rewatch any of it. And the ending confused the fuck out of me mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't one of those things like tenant where it was just like just like okay take me away like wash me away with this and i and i won't care if it really makes sense i was trying to make sense of interstellar and i couldn't 
that's one of the movies I watched. So I took some, some time to like rewatch certain things. Like uh, I rewatched Batman Begins from the beginning because I haven't seen that in a while. And I've never watched Interstellar for a second time. The first time I held it in such high regard. Don't remember why. Rewatching it bumped so far down on my list. I also had Interstellar as first seventh, but like, I don't know what it was, but it was very confusing. It was like the whole book scene and like, you know, oh, we, they won't get the coordinates till later. And I was, I was just like, I, I get it. Like we had such a good build and then it kind of just got lost completely. I don't, I don't know. Again, I agree with Sanko. Like the score is one of my favorite scores of all movies. Um, You know, with all of his films, he has some great composers he works with, but Interstellar, I don't know. I don't think it's one of his best films. Yeah, I'm higher on Interstellar again. I will admit, I've not revisited in some time, but I do think, I think Matthew McConaughey's performance as the lead, I think, was very good in that movie. I think he did a good job here. I give him credit, too, because I feel like the scientific accuracy in this movie, I think, is very, very, very good because, like, we had multiple scientists come out and say, like, Nolan actually didn't, like, Hollywood apply the concepts. He actually took the science and made it interesting and actually kept it real. So I give him credit for that. Yeah, and there was this. I this. I'm gonna sound like such a pompous person right now, but I just listened to a podcast recently, and yeah. it was it was about though like scientists have discovered this thing called space time. It's like another dimension they could measure space with, like instead of like a cubic. It's crazy, but it was they mentioned that Christopher Nolan's Interstellar was the only like media that ever brought this theory to life before it was even like verified by scientists recently. So to, to your point, Mike, it's like this is one of the most scientifically accurate movies in terms of space travel of all time. So it does deserve points for that. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Deserve, yeah, Sam, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just agreeing. Like, he he does his research for every single one of his movies. Yep, so let's go now to the one that was tied for it at, at, numbers, at uh, number six at number six now. So 6.25, bumped ahead, got some higher highs. The Dark Knight Rises at number six on the list. So, uh, Sam, your thoughts on the end of the Dark Knight trilogy? So I had the Dark Knight Rises a little higher. Um, I don't know why. I have, again, like Sanko, I was watching scenes from it. I did my rankings off of memory. Um, The Dark Knight Rises was kind of like, you know, for villain-wise, Bane was kind of corny. I didn't like his voice. They didn't make him very huge. I see your face, Sanko, and it's so funny. And I love Tom Hardy. He's not like, you know, the origin of everything of Bane, not the same as the comics. Um, But what I liked more, and I had The Dark Knight Rises as number three on my list because it was very Nolan. Like it was, you know, I appreciate Nolan. He doesn't use a bunch of special effects in any of his movies. So what I appreciated about The Dark Knight was it was just very, The Dark Knight Rises, I'm sorry, was just very like, you know, for the people, it was very good for the times with, you know, like the Wall Street, you know, like the 1% kind of deal. Um, but I don't know. I, um, I don't know why I liked having, I liked having Catwoman. I love that Robin was introduced. The whole Batman, you know, arc of everything with, you know, figuring out how, you know, weak and the symbolism with him and Bane. You know, I can go on and on about this movie for, like, hours. Um, But I wish it was just, like, a little bit higher on the list. But that's just me. Uh, Stanko, your take. 
Uh, I have this higher on the list, and I think this is Nolan's biggest blockbuster, if you will. I think this is the one where he was like, I'm going to make a movie that people are going to enjoy watching. And he wasn't as uh, as intrigued with throwing in all the all his different motifs and stuff like that through all his different classic themes into it. I think he just wanted to make a big-ass movie. You need a ton of suspension of disbelief in this movie to, to just let it ride. But there are so many rewatchable scenes. The football stadium blowing up, incredible. Uh, I mean, I... Like, I quote Bane, like, you think darkness is your ally, but you merely adopted the dark. Like, I say that all the time. It's just a thing I say in life. So, like, I, there are scenes in this movie that I watch a ton over and over and over. While I maybe don't revisit the entire movie all the time, it has some of the most rewatchable scenes that no one has made. And I loved Bane as the bad guy. Maybe I don't love how he was killed off at the end by Catwoman. Maybe I was like, oh, come on, give me a big finale, give me a big punch, but... That was a scene where Batman needs help. And guess what? Catwoman proved it. But I thought Anne Hathaway was great. She was, frankly, sexy as all hell as Catwoman. So all for me. Um, I, I like this movie, and it's gone up a bit in my rankings uh, in the years past, just knowing that I revisit it all the time. Yeah, for me, I think I was probably the, the low man on this one. I think it's probably why it's where it is. Because for me, I do feel like the point you made about how much is in here and how much he's throwing at it, I think, I think this hurts it a smidge. I feel like there's a little too much going on, in my opinion. I think you could have tightened it a little bit. I do think that, like, between Bane and who's controlling Bane and Catwoman and the whole, like, stuff with, like, stuff. I think, like, the first half of the movie, I think, takes a little while before it really gets kicking. I think once you blow up the stadium and you have the whole, like, background of trying to start the rebellion after the police are trapped on the ground, I think that helps. But I think it takes a little while to get there. I think still a great movie. I just think it's a little, I think it doesn't age as well, in my opinion. The symbolism symbolism with the well when Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne falls down the well and then he literally has to rise from, you know, the prison, a well, you know, where he was. It was a really great callback. There's just like so many good callbacks from Batman Begins in this movie. It's like, I don't know, it's just like him becoming Batman all over again because, you know, he lost his way, you know, because of the Dark Knight with everything with Rachel. But like this Everything in this movie so much shit. And I feel like it's not as bad as people remember it to be. And it's very, again, it's very Nolan-esque. Like, it's like he, you know, we were talking about how the Batman Begins was the building blocks. But what I feel like when you do have the building blocks, these directors are allowed to build and become more of their own instead of taking more of, like, the norm Hollywood and they can make things more personalized. And that's what I liked most about Batman Begins. It's like, okay, we have Batman Begins. We have the Dark Knight. I can be more of myself in a Batman, or sorry, the Dark Knight Rises is what Nolan wanted to put on the screen. Also, this movie had impossible expectations. You're following up the Dark Knight. One of the, arguably the greatest superhero movie of all time. That's what you're following up. Nothing. Was going to be able to match that. But the Joker was the best part of that movie. True. So, like, I feel like, you know, if you were going off of Nolan, then it's just like, you know, the actor Heath Ledger really elevated the movie. But that's just me. (laughs) That's just my hot take. But we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I think we'll get there when we get there. I will say, though, anybody else trying to follow up The Dark Knight, I think, would have had a much harder time than Nolan did. The fact he got... I still give a B plus on my scores, by the way. I still think it's a very good movie. So it's like I think yeah. credit to him for being able to do something that came close to what he did with Dark Knight. No, yeah. No one doesn't make bad movies. No. I have nothing lower than a B plus on my scores for Nolan. Yeah, he he doesn't make really bad movies. 
All right, so our top five here, in some order here, we have in release order, Memento, The Prestige, The the uh, the Dark Knight, Inception, and Dunkirk. So that's our top five in some order. So what, what do you think is next, Mr. Stanko? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm going to be in the minority in terms of some of these top five. I'm going to say The Prestige is number five. Uh, Sam, what do you have number five? I also personally picked The Prestige as number five. So oh, I'm not saying Prestige is my number five. See, this is one of my things where I'm like, the prestige should have been higher on my list from Sunday. What are you thinking? You love this movie. What's wrong with you? But that's the number I put because this was Sunday after a long homestand. So. All right. So this is not the prestige. It is higher than that. We're going Memento number five here. So and I think we specifically have uh, Stanko is why Memento is here. So you want to take, take a look at that. Well, like I in my re-ranking of these things, I had Memento last back two years ago. Yeah, that's that's where I pulled it from. So that's why. I'm right, that's where it. you pulled it from. Right now, I would have it at eight of of his of his eleven movies, and including the following, I would have it at eight. I think going back and this being his first big movie, he took again. No one just takes big swings. That's all he knows how to do. He's he's a home run hitter, and I don't think he knocks it out of the park. But everything about Nolan going forward is in Memento. A guy searching for identity. Um, a guy, the the different timelines, the, the unique shooting style. Like there are things that are in this movie that carry forward throughout every single story that he tells in some iteration. And going back and looking at that now, it's like, and even in, I mean, they were in the following too, and in, in his in his first film, but like he built upon it in momentum. So I still don't love it. It's still not one of my favorites, but I did go back and rewatch scenes. I rewatched some other people talking about it and some recaps, and I was like, oh, okay. I see what's going here. I definitely was too hard on it the first time I saw it. So I'm giving it a little bit of a higher ranking now just because I think it deserves a respect because it shows that this man's convicted in what he thinks. He put it in his first movie, and I was just building upon it with bigger budgets going forward. So, And that's that. That's why I have it a little bit higher now. But again, I'm definitely not as high as it as, as most people. Yeah, Sam, what would you take away about Memento when you, saw, when you watched it? So when I, I put Memento as my number four, for the reason, like Sanko was saying, it was his building block of who he was as a director. So like the timelines, you know, everything. But um, Memento is one of, I remember watching this and I think a film class at Hofstra. And I was just very inspired by the way he told stories. So I kind of hold it in a higher regard than his other movies. Um, this is one movie I've seen once and it's definitely on my rewatch list again, but I don't know. I feel like we have to give credit where credit is due for this movie. It was one of his like big breakout ones. So that's why I have it higher. Like the black, you know, it's very simple, like black and white past color future, you know, and it was uh, to me, it's, it's still an interesting concept the entire movie, but you know, that's just me. Yeah, so I think in terms of that situation, you know, Memento, I think the thing that I love about this movie is the fact that when you have, like, Nolan's first real big widespread swings, following his very limited distribution year, the fact that he's taking a chance on, oh, I'm going to mess with the storytelling. We're going to go, like, backwards in time and forwards in time. We have black and white and color in the same movie. And, like, I'm going to do it coherently with a small, like, tight cast and give you what you want and have a very entertaining story here with the big twists and turns. Big credit to him. I think he did a great job with it. Yeah, I mean, listen, Christopher Nolan, I think this movie, 
put respect on his name, even though if the followings are respected, like this one was like, oh, this man, you give him good actors. He has the premise to carry anything forward and it gave him momentum so he can go and make some bigger movies going forward. So, I mean, I think his next movie after this was with Robin Williams and Al Pacino, right? Yeah, it was yeah, this, it was this then insomnia. Yeah. So like got the attention of those two guys. So, I mean, sure that that'll work. Yeah. I think what the things, the thing about insomnia, I forgot to mention earlier, that's the only movie he did that he directed that he did not write. He had a writer for that movie. So that's also an interesting point out here. Okay. And, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So that's number four on the final list. Number four here, the aforementioned prestige number four here, which Stanko is lower on than Sam and I. I, have, I think we, we both have it. At, I think I had it at four. I think Sam had it at five. So Sam, you want to give us a positive prestige? I liked, like all his movie the movies, there's always a twist. I don't know what it was about this prestige that I enjoyed the twist more than others. Um, I really enjoyed the story of uh, Tesla and everything. Um, and the, I don't know, I really liked uh, what's his, Hugh Jackman's portrayal as well. Um, I thought there was excellent acting in it. Uh, this is a movie I've seen like two or three times, not something it's always on my, you know, constant rewatch list. Um, but I thought it was like, you know, it was a, a story that I feel like wasn't told because when did this movie come out? Like 2005? Uh, 2006. 2006? Yeah, so it was like, years. you know, it was like getting into the whole like retelling of history. I feel like we didn't have as much as that, you know, as we do now. Um, so I feel like that was another one of his things where he like really like retold stories of the past of stories, I should say, that are more niche than, you know, like retelling of World War Two and everything. Yeah, I think that movie came out in 2005. This is right after, uh, 2006, right after uh, Batman Begins. So, interesting choice here to have Christian Bale back in this movie. I mean, he has a big breakout role as Batman, and then he's here, basically playing opposite Hugh Jackman as the two magicians. I just love the interplay between the two of them, like trying to outdo each other the whole movie. And then the big twist at the end of the movie is a lot of fun, makes you want to go back and rewatch and look at the clues that he's leaving in terms of the setup mm-hmm. of the twist. I do think it's a lot of fun. And, Stank, I know you're the one who's lower on this. So I want to give you a perspective on why you think it is. And I lowered it uh, in my re-rankings. I have it at 10 in my re-rankings, so only above Insomnia. I This movie didn't click for me. The ending, uh, while well, I was like, oh, like, it, okay, that's the Christian Bale character. I see what I see what they did there. I don't. I didn't love it. I thought it was kind of gimmicky, the two different people, two different personalities. I don't know. I, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, I mean, it's... This one is just doesn't stick with me. Again, it's one of those things like insomnia. I'm not going back and rewatching scenes from this movie. There's not something about it that's like grips my memory and tugs on it. And it's like, oh, I need to go research this as to why this, why he did this or whatever. It's, it doesn't stick with me. I didn't think the twist was that great. Um, I thought it was frankly a little bit too far fetched. I think they stretched a little bit too far. They hyperextended themselves. And for me, uh, with that, they lost me, and so again, I'm in the minority on this one. But the prestige does not have, does not cast a spell on me, if you will. Yeah, that's for sure. Here, so let's go now to our top three. We have The Dark Knight, we have Dunkirk, and we have Inception. So those are our three movies here. So I'll give away that one had an average score of three, and the other two had an average score of two point five. So very very tight for these top three movies. So what do we got, Mike? What's number three? Number three, 
A movie you said you thought would be number one is The Dark Knight. That's number three. Okay. Um, slightly surprised by that. What, who 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 was the, who's the downvoter on on the dark? I believe Sammy. the downvoter is on this panel. Sammy, Sam, you want to tell us why it was lower on your list? So I, for movie wise, one of my favorite movies for a Christopher Nolan movie, lower. Not I re rewatched a lot of scenes. I had it on my television. I fast forwarded through certain parts. Um, again, favorite villain, the Joker, Heath Ledger, my favorite version of the Joker. And I don't think anybody will ever top his performance. Um, but again, it's just like the way I went above, like about it, Nolan wise, like Nolan directing Nolan movie. And I don't believe that it had as much as his art basically his style in it as his uh, the other two movies that i voted above it or honestly his other five movies um but again i will never ever say anything bad about heath ledger's performance the movie the film the you know the plot the soundtrack one of my favorites but again it's just not quite nolan top three for me yeah, Stanko, what, what's your big takeaway from The Dark Knight, besides, obviously, the, the, the all-time villain performance in a superhero movie from Heath Ledger? It, this is his most rewatchable movie. This is the, this is the one there are scenes you could just dial up on YouTube and watch two-minute clips of and just be in awe. The The truck flipping over is some of the best practical effects, just pff, outstanding and immensely quotable. Every single aspect of it is quotable. But also, this movie, while it has the action, while it has the great acting, also got a pretty darn good story too with like the mobs and stuff like that i didn't like traversing the world like i bought into it it has every single aspect of it is well done and i do again agree that heath ledger is the the fulcrum that allows it to go but also you talked about there are some movies where you thought it started off slow sam in this process the dark knight arguably best opening sequence to any superhero movie ever like immediately from the get-go just with the mask you're like oh shit what's about to go down and then you're in for a ride the rest of the time it's outstanding the introduction of the joker is so cool this movie it it's more of a joker movie than a batman movie but that's a good thing and that's okay that's a risk that that's a choice that no one takes and it pays off and like again i say we're ashamed all the time like it's just this movie is so quotable it's outstanding it's it's his most rewatchable movie yeah it's just like the whole thing with the joker it's like you know, like when they don't when they don't blow up the fairies, they don't blow each other up. Like it's just like that realization that maybe there is good in humanity is one of my favorite scenes. You know, like when he's getting like him and Batman are in this like one on one battle, and you know he has Batman down. He's like, oh, like you know, what did you think? You thought that you know there wasn't good, but again, you saw the words right out of my mouth. One of my favorite opening scenes of any movie is The Dark Knight. It's one of the best opening scenes ever yeah tremendous opening scene obviously the christian the, the uh heath ledger performance is legendary i mean he obviously i think greatest villain of all time here at stank i think one thing i love about this movie here is like up to this point we never really had had the superhero movie where the superhero willingly has to take a loss because every one of the superhero comes out on top and here like yeah. he has to like take the public relations hit because uh two-face ends up losing his mind and has to he has to kill him and then he says you know what like 
we have other people have Harvey Dent be a hero, so I will become the villain. And it sets up a very interesting direction for the whole The Dark Knight Rise, where he's basically out of society for like several years. So I think that's yeah. a great choice. And obviously, I think the realism of this movie as well, because the way the Joker plays Gotham against itself, I think it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, on, yeah. I mean, the, when the ending of the movie hits, and Batman's going up the ramp, and the bass hits, and you're just like, oh, shit. And that you're kind of gripping with the fact that Batman is the ultimate hero. He's sacrificing his persona, if you will. But also, Eva wins. And it's like, guess what? Some of the best sequels of all time, I'm thinking of The Empire Strikes Back, Evil wins. It sets the stage for the next one. And so he takes that loss, and it's it's outstanding. And I think, Mike, I'm gonna the only scene from this movie that I don't go back and rewatch it all the time is the boat scene, where the Joker's like, they're going to blow up the boat. They both have a button, blah, 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 blah. That's the only scene I kind of don't go back and rewatch all the time, as crazy as that is. Um, so maybe that says something about me, about society, and what I think of it. I have no idea. But the movie, it, it rocks. And Mike, that's a great point about how the hero is not riding off into the sunset to go save the day again. This hero is riding off and onto the highway trying to escape the cops because he's taken the fall. Like, it's a completely different type of ending than you would expect. Yeah, that's for sure here. So let's talk about number two and number one. These are tied at 2.5 each on the list. That tells you how divisive the normal moves are in terms of like how great they are. I mean, there's no clear consensus. Oh, this is like 1.3. Like they're right there. All right. So let, how do you want to do this? Do you want us to guess? How, how also are you differentiating the, the both 2.5s? I gave the one that had high, like the, the higher ratings, the number one spot. Okay. So number number two is Dunkirk and number one is Inception. Okay. So would you like to start okay. with Dunkirk or Inception? Uh, Sam, ladies first. Well, we'll go with the lower one. Uh, I have I had Dunkirk as my second as well. Um, we'll find out why Inception was my number one later. Um, but let's start with Dunkirk, shall we? Sure. Tell me about Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk is probably one of my favorite World War II um, films that has come out ever. Uh, I truly enjoyed the monumental, you know, the one take shot that was for five minutes long. That was, you know, it's not unheard of, but it was very well done. Uh, I also enjoyed the kind of like the unknown soldier perspective and we focused on him. It made you feel like you were in the middle of a war zone. It was just, uh, it was amazing. I got to see this one in theaters when it came out and I think, 2017 2018 um one of i don't know cinematography they had the really great plot points for every single one of the different you know characters they had that were all tied in together you never really knew what time it was like when everything came together until you know basically the end i just i it was one of my it's one of my favorite movies but you know, we'll, you know, as we know, Inception is my number one, but Dunkirk is a very, you know, breathless kind of breathtaking movie. Yeah. And Stanko, I think in terms of this movie, I think the thing I love here is like, yes, he does play with time. He does it in a very clever way where you have the three storylines between the, the air, the sea and the land. And like each one takes us over a different span. Like the air is an hour, sea is like a day and the land is a week. So it's fun seeing these stories sort of like eventually coalesce into one big thing. And I think he does so beautifully. And the realism of this historical re like event of the evacuation of Dunkirk, 
If we get something similar to that in Oppenheimer, I'd be thrilled. This is my number one. I think this is Christopher Nolan's best made movie. It's not this not his most rewatchable, but in terms of just best made and all aspects of it flows so well together. You mentioned the clocks. Everything just ticks right. Everything just goes and it just hits the right note. I remember watching this movie in theaters and the sound blew me away. Like the, the, you seeing this movie in theaters was an experience because there's not a lot of talking. There's a lot of visual storytelling and there's a lot of just audio blasting your eardrums, whether it be bombs, explosions, ships, ships sinking, the weather, all of it is just coursing through your ears, but it's all working. It floods you with noise, but it makes you feel something. It's like curls you up in a ball, but you just want to get tighter and get, you want to get on the beach with them. You're, you're experiencing the whole entire thing. He was nominated for best director for this movie. I think it's his best movie. Um, and while, again, I don't even think, it's not as most rewatchable, but that's okay because everything about this movie worked blown away when I saw it. And it also proved like, don't, uh, no one doesn't need to just make blockbusters to make great movies. We had seen him with the trilogy that he can make the big bombastic action sequences everyone likes. These action sequences aren't meant for visual and audio splendor. They're meant to evoke some sort of emotion that the characters are feeling. They're not meant to evoke emotion from the crowd watching. They're meant to evoke emotions from the characters in the scenes. And that's what, that's what I took away from this movie. I thought exceptionally well-made and again, the audio from this movie just, it still rings in my ears to this day. Yeah. I think if we get something similar to Dunkirk in terms of like character development and just, you know, historical nature, because I think it's probably the closest comparison to what he's going to be trying to do in Oppenheimer is this movie. We get the execution like that. I I don't even need the time mechanic. Just like give me the good character development here and like stuff like that. I'd be very excited. Yeah, this is this is a character study movie, but it's not focused on just one character. It's focused on a bunch on the beach, right? Oppenheimer, you got Oppenheimer. He's going to be the main focus. So give me a little bit more of a focus lens for 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 his new one. But I, I love this movie. It, I it's my number one. And now talking about it, I'm probably going to go rewatch it this week. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch it soon, too. And obviously, number one here, Inception, for me and Sam. Stanko, you have this very high as well here. I think for me, I have it number one because in terms of his movie, I think you guys will name an old movie that's not like like his original movie, not involved in the Batman. I think this is the one that gets brought up first every time because people are going to say, like, is this actually, like, have the ending? Is it all-time classic? Because is he still in reality? Is he dreaming? The totem does cuts away. The black and the sopranos. It works very well. And, like, I think the world it lets you just immerse yourself in in terms of the dreamscape and, like, going different levels of dreams and all, of like, the crazy visuals and stuff. So, so, so much fun, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I also had that. Um, this is just one of the, you know, all-time cinematic classics of, like, were they dreaming? Were they not dreaming? It's like the ending that always keeps people guessing. I feel like that has something historic to, you know, look back on and like really give Nolan props on. Um, just the everything that he did, I feel like in a time when CGI was really like starting to like come about and like really become super, super popular, he stuck back, you know, like Charlie Chaplin did with silent films. It's like he chose the road less traveled by, you know, basically. Um, and stuck with his guns about like, you know, realistic, you know, movement and effects and everything. And I feel like, you know, that in its own aspect is something to really like applaud him for. It's just, you know, he sticks to his guns. He, he wants things to look, you know, as real as possible without the use of computer, you know, effects and everything, which I think 
is something to applaud him for. And I'm very excited to see what he's going to do with Oppenheimer in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Stanko, your thoughts on Inception? I remember this movie came out in 2010 and it was, I was a no senior in high school when this movie came out and no, no, everyone talked about this movie. It was nonstop. Everyone talked about this movie and the ending. You debated it. It's what you talked about in the hallways, what you talked about in class, what you talked about on the bus. This It was Inception. How many times did I rewatch this after it came out at a friend's house? Countless. It is the movie I've probably seen of his the most. I had it at number three on my rankings. Um, I think the, the sequence in the snow and the action there is a setting where – I haven't seen that many memorable action set, set pieces take place. Again, I think of Empire Strikes Back and Hoth in terms of the last action sequence taking place in the snow like that, where it just grabs you and pulls you. Joseph Gordon Lovett fighting through the floating hallway. Really, really cool. And as for as complicated as a movie as this is about stealing or implanting people's ideas into dreams, whatever it is, it's not that hard to follow. He does a really good job of cutting between the different states of dreams and the different impacts where people will wake up and stuff like that. He tells the story where you're not going to get super confused. He doesn't get lost in the sauce. He goes just far enough as that little bit of extra zest and it fits perfectly well. And it's something that people have talked about nonstop and people still talk about to this day. It's one of the great all time movie endings of our lifetimes in terms of us in the age we are, everyone knows about the ending to inception. Everyone. Yeah, I would think that's a great point. I mean, the totem spitting is still classic. To get DiCaprio in this movie, which is a lot of fun. He's a great lead. He has great supporting performances from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Elliot Page. Uh, you have Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy's great in this as the crazy guy. He's great. Yeah, the team as a whole is a lot of fun, seeing all that come together. And I do think this is one I'm very excited. I always love going back to it. You, start, you pick up something new every time you watch this movie. I think it's always interesting in terms of like different dream levels. I think it's a lot to consider. And this is a this is a team up movie, right? We, yep. Christopher Nolan doesn't do many team up movies. Insomnia is not, Prestige not, Interstellar not. Like I guess Interstellar, they're on the ship together, they're teaming up to go to space. But this is like get the gang together. We're going on a mission. We're gonna figure it out. And there's a time crunch where we need to get out in time. It kind of hits all the classic tropes of like a, a standard action movie. You get the gang together and accomplish the mission. But it's got the Nolan pizzazz that everyone wants, and he he dishes it out perfectly. Yeah, so let's go ahead here. We'll go to the overall list again, review what we came up with tonight. So this is our our rankings here. So I'll go ahead and share my screen on the Zoom version so people watching on YouTube can check it out here. So number one is Inception. Two is Dunkirk. Three is The Dark Knight. The Prestige. Memento. The Dark Knight Rises. Interstellar. Batman Begins. Tenet and Insomnia. So overall thoughts on the list, Sam? Um, You know, after listening to everybody's discussions on everything i think it's a pretty solid list um you know we're all gonna have our qualms about things that we like personally but i think it's pretty solid uh stanko anything stick out to you the only one that i would really throw my hat in the ring and in and gripe with is the prestige being at number four i just think that's too high um that's just that's a me preference thing um i i would move that down um but that's the only one on this list where i where my eyes kind of boggle yeah, I think overall, very fair list. For me, I've looked at it as like the top three right here. Very, very, very narrow separation between them in terms of like my personal preferences. Because like 
I could have a day right now where it's Inception number one. I could sit here t- in three days and say, oh, I like the Dark Knight better. So I could go back and forth. That's the thing. These lists flow. Like, I made my list two years ago. That's when you took it off of. But then I was I was on the train today, and I was like, all right, where are the movies again? Jot them down. This is what I think. And then you redo it again. These things change. We all change in terms of what we think about these movies. But I think we could all agree. When Christopher Nolan comes out with a new movie, we get excited. He has that it factor. He has that James Cameron factor where you're like, what is he going to do next? How is he going to blow our mind? And Oppenheimer was definitely going to – he's going to blow something up. That's for sure. And our minds is going to be one of them. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure here. So now we have Oppenheimer coming in a couple of weeks here. So what are your expectations for Oppenheimer, Stanko? Uh, very, very, very high. I love the fact that Noah's doing a character-driven movie. I think it's, it's fascinating to see Killian Murphy taking on a very complex character, a guy that um, the history does not look kindly upon, but you have to acknowledge his brilliance as well. And it's a cop. He's going to, He's going to be assigned this task. He's going to have a sense of power. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to commit the ultimate act of creating the world's most deadliest weapon, which is going to change the world forever. Then you're going to have to see him wet, have to wear that weight of creating the atomic bomb. And how does that affect people's perspective of him when they know that he's not necessarily the greatest guy in the world? So I think it's a fascinating to see him take on a character study like this because we haven't seen him take on a true life character study like this ever. So it's a new test for new test for Nolan, and I think he's going to pass with flying colors. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I think in terms of that, here, Sam. What else are you feeling about Oppenheimer? Like, what has you intrigued about this? I, again, going back to Killian Murphy's performance, I'm very excited to see what he brings to the table. I'm also very interested to see how other characters are going to play. Very, very interested on how he's going to use his time war basically on how to introduce the story because you never know how he's gonna propose the plot using the different timelines because you know that's nolan's classic is different times for everything um but yeah very interested what sanko said on a very character driven movie which we've never really seen before so i hope that you know if we circle back in a year from now that oppenheimer is going to be really high up on all of our lists and you know, it's just my fingers are crossed. Yeah, I'm going back to look at some of the cast of this movie here. I'm very excited. I mean, look at the names you have in here. I mean, besides how silly, like obviously Killian Murphy's our lead here. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Kenneth Branagh, Gustav Skarsgård, Matthew Modine. The list just goes on and on and on. They have so many great uh, actors in this movie. He can. He is one of those people people call to work with him. He, he can get anyone he wants for any movie that he wants. And they, they have explicit trust that he's going to make a good movie. He's going to make something that people are going to want to watch. So, I mean, it's a bleak summer blockbuster time. We have three massive movies coming out between Mission Possible Fallout, Barbie, and Oppenheimer. Going to be really curious to see which one has a lasting impact in the summer and then which one carries over to award season come February, March of next year. I think of the three movies, I think Oppenheimer, don't be surprised if it has the most Oscar nominations because of all the technical prowess that no one's going to be able to sell because you know that for a fact this is going to get visual effects and sound and possibly score because that's something that no one seemingly never, ever misses on. I mean, Also, the Florence Pugh character in this movie, keep an eye on her because she plays a huge part. I, mean, I love your Florence Pugh love. because I love Florence Pugh. I also love oh, her, her so much. I mean, I think visual effects get a lot. And you think of the fact that, like, 
they recreated a nu- a nuclear bomb explosion for this movie without CGI. And he said there's no CGI in this shot, in this film at all. Entirely shot in IMAX, so. Yeah, and I, how? No idea. The movie is long. Plant, go to the bathroom beforehand, because I don't know if you're going to want to take a bathroom break during it. But no. listen, we, we should all be excited. Christopher Nolan is making movies, and he makes big-ass movies that gets people into seats. Yeah. We have to thank him. Frankly, Tom Cruise. Christopher Nolan, James Cameron, these guys just know how to put on big budget movies that people want to go see. Yeah, I'll also add in here, throw the actors a note I'm going to hear. Robbie Malik's in this movie, which I'm very excited about here. And Sam, bless to the childhood past here. Josh Peck has a role in this movie. Yeah, I I saw that. Interesting to see how his character plays out and everything. You know, love Josh, Josh Peck, loved him in How I Met Your Father curious to see how he translates to a nolan movie all right so that's it for the op power stuff here before we go obviously summer picks obviously we're kind of midway through the summer movie season pop culture season here things are a little weird because the writer strikes so gone might have an actor strike by the end by tomorrow night if things don't really change here so in terms of content coming up here sam anything you're keeping your eye out for um Looking forward to the fall winter season, especially with Napoleon. That trailer really piqued my interest. Uh, other than that, I don't really have that much to talk about. Uh, Stanko, any thoughts in terms of like movies, TV coming up? You're intrigued by? Uh, I mean, I definitely 100% agree on the Napoleon trailer. That got me so amped up. I cannot wait for that movie. Uh, Walking Phoenix, Vanessa Kirby, Ridley Scott, sign me up. Um, very, very excited. Um, I, again, I think, Mike, I mentioned to you, I'm excited for The Meg, too, just because I need a stupid summer movie to keep me entertained. Monster movie. I'm excited for that. Um, I've been stealing trailers for this new horror movie, The Last Voyage, uh, on the Demeter, which is a Dracula movie. Very Just curious to see about that, because it's getting a lot more pub than I thought it would. Um, again, I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to get to go to the movies um, during the summer, but I think we could all, I mean, you got to make time for the big budget movies. And that's, that's Mission Impossible, Fallout, Barbie, and Oppenheimer. They're all coming out within a two-week span. And you need to go make time to see these movies. And I think the rest of the summer is going to be dictated by how the rest of July plays out. Because if July doesn't get people to the movies, it's going to be a struggle for the rest of the year between August and September, for sure. Then between the rest of the summer. Yeah, I think I'm excited about the, about those movies. That's going to be for, for sure here. In terms of like... Far out here, Stanko. Did you hear the story of the Zack Snyder movie, uh, Rebel Moon? Have you heard about this? No. What What is this Rebel Moon? What What is this comic book character that which I've never heard of? It is coming in December to Netflix. So this is something we'll talk about in the future here. But this is a movie that was originally pitched to, to Disney as a Star Wars film that they rejected because it was because it was too mature for their taste and not include any established characters. Well, fuck you, Disney. For, oh, God forbid, not making a mature Star Wars thing. Um, and, and, I mean, you have to be, sorry, stand attention. You have to be stoked for the Ahsoka trailer. You as a Star Wars mega fan. Oh, we love um, it. The Ahsoka trailer is fantastic. I cannot wait it, to watch this show. I, I don't know half the lore that you do, but I watched the trailer and I was like, that looks pretty good. Um... Uh, <laughs> So, I, I mean, Rebel Moon, I'll keep my eye out for it. I enjoy Zack Snyder. This is supposed to, like, launch a, like, a franchise, right? If I'm tri- if I'm trickling my bells correctly, like, this is supposed to be, like, a mega, mega franchise that can kind of lift off the ground, right? Yes. Right. So, I, okay, you rung my bell, and now I'm remembering what this is. 
I has a trailer dropped for this movie yet? I have to look. I think there's one out, but like it looked very intriguing. And the pre- and the premise, if you read it on Wikipedia in terms of like what the actual premise of the movie is, it sounds exactly like a Star Wars movie. Okay. Well, again, I'm a sucker for sci-fi action, and if this, I believe, is coming out on Netflix, right? Yep, December twenty second on Netflix. Right, and so it's Christmas time on Netflix sci-fi action movie. Guess what? Me being stoned out of my mind one day is probably going to turn this on and have a good time. Yeah, so you, yeah, you and Emma will spike the eggnog and watch this movie. Yeah, well, I'm not an eggnog guy. I'll sit there. I'll sit there with a glass of whiskey, and she could she could have a glass of wine and then read her book while the movie's on TV because she won't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll obviously throw out here too. Ahsoka coming out. I'm very excited about. If there's a new season, only murders in the building coming in August. Sam's that will be fun. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and also, Winning Time Season 2. I cannot wait for that. I hope that you have a good time with Winning Time. Still haven't gotten to the first season, but I hope that you have a good time. I'm very excited about this. I will actually cover the premiere on, on the podcast. I'm doing a segment on that, so I promise that. <laughs> very good, very good. I'm excited for the rest of baseball season, Sam. How about you? That's coming up, right? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'll probably see you in the wild card series, honestly. Listen, if we both make the wild card series... Uh, Houston and other teams ahead of us ha- have had real trouble. Yeah. Yeah, Orioles. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I will also put out here in terms of what's interesting here, in terms of maybe more, me, maybe more me than you guys, but I will say this. They have not made the announcement yet as of podcast time, but if my football team is the Hard Knocks pick, there will be weekly Hard Knocks covers on the podcast. That'd be fun. I'm hoping uh, is, is that a good thing for your team or not? We, we don't know. choice. Because we cannot get, we cannot turn it down if the league picks us. I here's a confession. Hand up, hand up. I have never watched a season of Hard Knocks. I have never watched an episode of Hard Knocks. It has never, ever, kind of appealed to me. Is that bad? I don't know. I'm a football fan, but it's never appealed to me. You're a winning franchise, so of course you wouldn't love Hard Knocks. Yeah, not right. Not over the past three years. I know. Welcome to the Losers Club. Yeah, I will say though, like I feel like they have they, the Jets are do not want to be on it. They made it clear they don't want to be on it, but the league I think wants them to be on it obviously because they got Aaron Rodgers and they're probably the most interesting story in the league right now. So I think if they're on there, we will cover it weekly on the podcast because there's gonna be a lot going on at, at Jet Camp. Yeah, but, but I feel like a lot could be said about the Jags too. The how they made it this year and everything. So you might have some competition there, Mike. Yeah, I think the problem is the Jaguars can say no, but Jets can't. Well. Yeah, well, they're building a new state, building a new stadium, and everything. So, I just want to see Aaron Rodgers high on ayahuasca on Hard Knocks. That'll make me watch it. I mean, the, the, the original Jet Hard Knocks season was legendary. So, this one with all the characters they have, like, I mean, the original one, we had Rex Ryan. We got to go have a goddamn snack, and we had and we had the shake way to Steve Weatherford, and we had Cromartie forgetting all his kids. That was all Hard Knocks. Cromartie didn't he like name his kids by like numbers? He, or is that just he, a joke that I made up in my head? No, they had a, a whole segment where, like, he was trying to name his children. He was forgetting, like, how many he had. Or, like, this one's a girl. This is her name. Like, and that's, he claims it's AI context. But I think that's that's, that's tough. He wants that scrub from the internet. He wants that scrub from the world. Yeah, so I think, like, it, if the Jets are there, we're, we're, I'm excited for that. Because I know it's not good for the franchise. But considering they probably can't say no to it, we'll, we'll embrace it. And then he'll finish 10-7 and be the 7 seed or just miss out on the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers will get hurt for four games. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. I know you are I'm speaking to... it into existence. I'm spiteful. You're trying to put the bad juice into the my, One of my PAs had the best allegory for the Jets season. It's like they'll ha- they'll do 
kind of crappy, do super well, and then Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. And I said that's the best guess that anybody would have for the Jets season. So that's Corey's guess, and I think that's what's going to happen this season. Yeah, so Mike, as you can see, we're all rooting for your happiness. We all want you to succeed and be happy in sports so badly. Yes, yeah, so I feel the love right now. Yes. It's just and the suffering. It's just going towards your podcast name. Right. What happens if your suffering ends? You have to rename your podcast. What are you going to do? You're going to do a complete rebrand. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we have plenty. We might have playoff suffering at this point. Oh, that's a different type of suffering. That's true. That's true. Because I I don't think my odds of winning a title with the Mets this year are good. So, like, I already have suffering label covered. Also. Yeah, but yeah. All right, so I want to thank you guys for Just a little here. bit of suffering. You know, that's certainly a lot of fun. Enjoy ch- chatting up with you guys. So, Sam, if you want to find me on social media, how can I do that? Uh, you can find me at SDRLS6 on Twitter, and then just Google my name, and honestly, I'll pop up somewhere. Yeah, I also say Stanko. Social media. Uh, social media is at jstanko99. You could read all the stuff I write at stankostance.com. And if uh, if you want to see me rant about Taylor Swift, follow Marshall Sports because maybe I'll be on there again someday. But I doubt it. Yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter, mphilips three three one. It's m p h i l i p s three three one. That's on social media, all accounts, including Threads. I'm on there as well. So also gonna plug the Sky Guys podcast. So we are Stanko. We are actually getting people ready for Ahsoka during during the next couple weeks. We're doing Ahsoka one on one where we cover what Ahsoka's up to in seasons of Clone Wars. So people, see, I need that. I as ah uh, uh, Clone Wars I know I don't know her in Rebels because she appears in Rebels. That's coming. That podcast is in a couple weeks out, but this week we have season five of Rebels coming out this week. Season five of season yeah. of Clone Wars. We cover her gotcha. of her leaving. Best season. Yeah, great season of Clone Wars. I think that in terms of uh, Ahsoka content, because we have a lot there. Uh, listen, the Ahsoka trailer looked really great. So I'm happy and maybe good Star Wars content coming our way once again. Yeah, very pumped for that. So we'll keep an eye on the sky, guys. You can follow that podcast and this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for those podcasts on all those platforms. We'll be back next week. We'll do some sports. We'll talk some golf with the Open Championship coming up and more. Until then, have a good week, everybody. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.